Hi, this is Dylan. This is Sarah. And this is Christy. And we would like to welcome you to Planet Bob, where we talk about the movies and shows that made their way to our little corner of the galaxy this week. Alright, so here we are for episode two. This was going to be just a Titan AE episode, but uh, we decided to expand that a little bit, and now it's just the Don Bluth general episode. Yeah, because I don't really like Titan AE that much. It's not my fave. So we're, uh, we're just going to talk about our favorites and what we like from each. A little bit of trivia. Alright, so let's start off. Favorite Don Bluth movie. Go. For me, Titan AE is, after all, the basis for the title of our show. What are you going to call it? But I think it's just because it, I saw it at just the right time in my life. I know what the answer is for you. Elaborate. Elaborate? Yeah. Uh, I was in London at the time, uh, living in London. Happened to just catch it at the, at the movie store one day, rented it. And uh, the way the dialogue is spoken felt re- very real to me. Felt, uh, I could relate to it on a, on a level that I can't with a lot of other movies. It's very much the way my friends and I spoke to each other. The way Matt Damon speaks to uh, Drew Barrymore's character, and pretty much everyone in the movie, very much reminded me of me and my friends. Right on. So that did it for you? Yeah. Yeah? So what am I going to say? Captain knows everything. <laughs> I believe yours is Secret of Nim. Damn straight. Which is not, not a wrong answer by any means. I mean, it does have the highest rating of any Don Bluth movie. Well, probably a lot of movies. Most movies in general. (laughs) What was that? Rotten Tomatoes? 96% awesome? Yeah. When does that happen? Guaranteed fresh? Never. I can't remember the last time I watched a movie that was rated that highly on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, it's a pretty awesome movie. It is. And I've been watching that one since I was probably three. So, I would say that's probably most people's introduction to him. Most people our age. I don't know, though. My sister would probably say Rockadoodle. She loves that one. Land Before Time. And that wasn't even on our list of things to watch on this one. Yeah, like you, just, you can't discount Land Before Time or American Tale, because they're huge. No, I remember... I vaguely remember seeing Land Before Time in theaters. I remember being blown away. At the time, I'd never see anything like that. Well, it's pretty amazing. It's and sad. Yes, yeah, very sad. So sad. Tree stars it makes me sad. <laughs> no, I just I don't know. Secret of Nim was the one that stuck with me, and I read the book later on, um, which isn't entirely like the movie, but there's a, there's a few changes, but more or less it gets it hits the same beats, right? I haven't read the book, so I'm going. Uh, yeah, I I'm remember not loving it. Election. I didn't love it because I loved the movie and I wasn't old enough to appreciate the differences between literature and film. From what I understand, the book is more sci-fi, whereas the 
the the movie comes off more as fantasy. There's Not really magic. any sci-fi in it, though. It's just unless well, you count the rats being intelligent. After well, the, the amulet's the not really magic in the. In there the book. isn't one though. Well, they that's just what I mean. There's no straight magic. Straight up, the move the rock and the end. Yeah. But in Nim, they have a mystical mystical as- aspect that isn't present in the novels as far in the novel as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't exist. Technical aspects. Sure. All right. Okay. So technical aspects of the show. Let's do fun. Technical aspects. <laughs> and I can do I can do some like little intro music for it too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So technical aspects of the movies. Big ones were the use of camera. Yes. They did. Don Bluth Studios, when they started up, had to get special cameras made for the things that they wanted to do. There's shimmering effects in, in a lot of his movies that you don't see in a lot of animation, and they needed those special cameras to, to get that. And then there was just use of cell, so every time they try and have a glow, so when Nicodemus is looking at something or is intent on or looking intensely at something. Because his eyes glow all the time. They have a clear cell behind all of the animation cells with essentially a goo that they light up and then they film the animation on top of that, which makes everything glow, which is neat. Because, yeah, you don't see that. No, Disney like, does I remember, not I remember watching these. We just watched these yesterday, most of them. And I remember thinking, you don't see that in most animated films. You just don't see it. It's no, even epic animated films like Akira and, like, because that was around the same time that a lot of these movies were coming out. Um, kind of offbeat animation, like Watership Down. There's none of that No. in any of those. So that's a very Bluth thing to do. Um the other thing I thought was interesting was he had approximately 600 colors used in The Secret of Nim, and I think it was something like 42 different color palettes for, yeah, for every one, change. For that, every change of color? Well, for every, every change, change of, of light, light source, or yeah. location. So when Mrs. Frisbee, or Brisbee, sorry, Brisbee in the movie. depending what you're looking at, when she goes underwater, there's a color palette. When she's underwater at night, there's a color palette. When it's daytime, there's one. Daytime and shadow is another one. Daytime and direct light is another one. So well, and there's the, it's there's just one amazing to me as an artist how much thought had to go into getting those tonal values correct. It's and there's, insane. There's one scene in the movie, too, where there's colors are shifting, kind of similar to the cabaret in Suspiria. And there's a different color palette for each one of those color shifts. Yeah. When they're in the rosebush? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's intense. And the neat thing, too, is that there were 1,200 backgrounds that were created, and they're beautiful. Just beautiful, watercolor, amazing amazing artwork. And they actually had the voiceover track and all of the backgrounds put into order so they could watch them all and make sure that everything fit before they even had the movement animation put into it. So I can't even imagine putting that much effort into a background, something that most of my art students don't value at all, don't see any point in in backgrounds. And and Secret of Nim was 
his first movie after leaving Disney. So the fact that he started out this studio, but had special cameras built just for his studio, and did all this work on top of it for his first major release under his own studio, that's an intense undertaking. Well, and to do it in half the time with half the budget. Yeah. Yeah, because he did not have anything close to a Disney budget when he made this movie. No, what did he say? He did it for $6 million in 30, 30 months. Which, for an animated film, is very little money on a very short term. One hand-drawn, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, their big computer technology animated. was a Xerox machine. Yeah. <laughs> Which we laugh at now, but was pretty impressive. I mean, that technology was brought in with 101 Dalmatians. Well, and now you can make an entire movie and never look at a cell once. Oh, th that's unheard of to do cell. Nobody does painted cell animation. animation. You can do it, and it is being taught, but it's a dying art for sure, because it takes so long. And it's a lot of intense work. Yeah. It Simpsons was one of the only ones doing it. Yeah, one of the few hand-drawn animated series it was it was one of the last ones yeah yeah to to uh convert over yeah i mean even futurama was done with computer animation it's just easier cheaper well, faster well futurama is different because they also like like titan ae there's a mix of 3d and 2d animation i don't know how you would do that with standard cell animation i mean i'm sure you could do it but i'm not sure how it would work overlapping and Making I should be really clear, sure I don't know anything on. about animation. <laughs> this is when it would be good to have Christy. A, because a lot of my friends went into animation. This is when it would be good to have Christy because she does. She left us to do animation. So she doesn't want to do this because she wants to spend more time doing animation. Yeah. But this would have been a perfect show for her because it's all animation. She would have been, she would have been in a much better position to uh, go over the technical details than we are. Yeah, but she's not here, so... No. No. It's unfortunate, but that's... It is what it is. Uh, themes? Throughout Don movies? Bluth themes. Well, death is a very common theme. In Secret of Nim, they kind of glaze over it. Like, it's not the central focus of the movie, but uh, the main character, Miss, Miss Brisby, her son is dying throughout the entire movie. You don't see him very much. But it's it's mentioned at the beginning, and that's her entire motivation for wanting to move the house. Well, she has to move the house because the plow is coming. Well, I just like how they cover death. None of it is wishy-washy. It's never glossed over. No. It's real. And it has real consequences. It has an impact on everybody. I mean, even something like all dogs go to heaven, there are the real consequences because he comes back. Yeah. Um, but he has to prove himself or he's going to dog a hell. And it's clear that that is a bad place to be. Yes, it's... Uh, hell is very intense in, <laughs> for dogs. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good time. Kind of reminded me of, like, Constantine or any of those movies. It's creepy. There's things yeah, trying to eat you. And, and I think that's the best thing about Don Bluth movies is that they treat adult themes like adult themes, and they don't sugarcoat things for the kids. Well, no, I mean, look at 
Littlefoot losing his mom. Like, that is heartbreaking when that happens. It's awful as a child. But we all survived it. I mean, I think it's much better to treat children as thinking, feeling, complex human beings because they are. And as much as you want to shelter children from things like death, it happens. It just does. You need to learn to deal with it. It's, it's part of life. Death is an inevitable part of life. You're going to run into it at some point. Well, and then he throws all kinds of other little tidbits at you that you don't necessarily pick up. Like, all of the um, race relations and religious issues in American Tale. But there are no cats in America And the streets are with Yeah, a lot of things that a kid wouldn't pick up on. No, I I had no idea that he was a Jewish mouse. I had no idea as a kid. I knew that something wasn't quite right and that people weren't treating the mouse coincidences the way that they maybe should. Yeah. Um, Why are they changing their names? They're poor. They They don't have much. They're not welcomed into American society. No. We see that at their rally. Um, but I didn't realize that it was as in-depth as it is till I watched it as an adult. And then read up some information, like when Spielberg said he based the scene where, um, Fievel is looking through the window at the children in the school. Yeah, based he on He based it on his, his grandfather, grandma. because grandpa, his yeah. grandfather wasn't allowed to go to school as a Jewish man. He had to sit outside in the snow and listen. Yeah. And that happened all the time. It's very accurate to the time. I mean, this is definitely an American tale. Like, it tells you the history of America better than almost any film I've seen. Yeah. But it's a mouse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It takes a very human situation and puts it... uh, Puts animals in this situation. So it kind of... Well, it makes it approachable for children. Yeah, it's less, uh, less daunting, I guess. I mean, you wouldn't sit a kid down and have them watch Schindler's List, but American Tale gets kind of the same ideas across. Yeah, but much less dark, which is good. Well, yes. Well, you have to, because it's a kid's movie. (laughs) It's a kid's movie. Um, A 90-minute bummer movie isn't going to keep kids in the the audience. No, no. And when you look at, like, Secret of Nim, they were criticized for making a movie that was too dark for children. Well, at that time, um, all they really had was Disney, which... Well, or things that were far too adult. Right. Like, like heavy Watership metal. Down. Watership Down is... It's about cute animals, too, and they get tortured, and there's bad things that happen to them, but it is so much more intense than than Secret of Nim is, and there's so much more... Um, there's so much more going on in really, like in regards to societies and how people treat each other it there's some deep stuff in watership down um but that's i think the closest film i can think of the animal farm animal farm movie is kind of uh 
more kidified version of the story, right? It's. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the Animal Farm movie. I've read the book. That one at some point. The book is excellent. Um, I was pretty mad when poor Boxer gets sent to the glue factory. I don't know if the movie is as accurate to the book. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I seem to remember that it was more... I think it's accurate to the book, but it's uh, it's presented in a more child-friendly way. It's clearly made for kids. Well, the book is like that too, though. Have you read the book? No. You should read the book. It's great. We'll see if my ADD allows that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story. But yeah, it's definitely not for kids, and I mean... I read it in grade 10, and our teacher didn't bother to tell us that it was an allegory for the Russian Revolution until after we read it. So I was looking at it as a book about animals on a farm. Right. And not as history. Um, but it was still good. What I mean, class, a kid would enjoy it. What class were you learning it in? Grade 10 English. Yeah, so it would make more sense almost in a history class. Um, no, it just would have made more sense if we had had an introduction. <laughs> was it, uh, was it? But we had a young teacher who didn't realize, as a lot of us do when we start teaching, that we don't have, like, kids don't have a background on the Russian Revolution. I mean, we barely touch on Canadian history in grade 10, yeah. let alone what was going on in communist Russia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that didn't get covered. Um, the other theme that I like is how complex the plots are in yeah. Don Bluth movies. Yeah, they're not just like... Well, yeah, like in... What's the one with the kidnappings? The kidnappings? Uh, well, the little girl in uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven is... Not really kidnapped by the cat, but she's being held prisoner by him, basically. Yes. Oh, yeah, complex plot elements. Yes. <laughs> Fun to this later, but yeah, this one might be a little bit shorter than the last one. <laughs> so I really like Bluth for the complex plots that he puts together. I mean, if you look at The Rescuers, which was the movie he made just previous to leaving Disney, yeah, it's pretty basic, really. They and it's mice again, which is funny. Well, and then. With that, you can see a huge difference between the movies that he worked on with Disney and the movies that he wanted to work on with his own company, because it's... Uh, Secret of Nim is a much more complex story than The Rescuers. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Because The Rescuers, they... The two mice just get in their little plane, albatross plane. Yeah. Fly to the bayou decide they're going to save this kid, and then that is the story. They save the kid. Yeah. The end. That's it. That's all that happens. And then you get all dogs go to heaven, and they have the original plot with Carface basically, yeah, imprisoning this little girl. All of the stuff that goes along with him murdering Charlie, all of the gambling issues that are in there. Um, the moral issues with Charlie not knowing how to treat people or fellow dogs. Right, yeah, because he's... They make it very clear that he's not like most dogs. He's... When he gets to heaven, they make it... They make a point. I don't see any loyalty here. 
Yeah, if there's nothing good. He's like, all dogs get into heaven because they're all loyal and good. But she can't find anything for Charlie because he's not like most dogs. Yeah, so he has to go back and he's very earn selfish. his spot there. He's a very selfish dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you have all the issues with orphans and... And like you mentioned Constantine earlier... How did she earlier, even end up with that dog? Like you mentioned Constantine earlier, he Charlie gets into heaven for almost exactly the same reasons that Constantine is forgiven. It's true. It's funny. He, he sacrifices his life for the little girl... And he gets to go to heaven as a result. Yeah. Only in that, only in all dogs go to heaven, the devil doesn't like pull out his cancer and make him live. Like he yeah, did I don't Constantine. think Charlie has cancer. No. <laughs> no, he was just dying. His clock had, wa- had wound down. Yeah. Yeah. He made a choice, but he made the right one. Yes. Trivia? Yeah, we can do some trivia. I've got some things here. Some good facts. Share a factoid with us, will you? Uh, well, I got one for Titan AE here. Uh, it was the first movie ever to be transmitted digitally for preview audiences. So, like, you know how it's common now. You go to the theater and it's it's on a digital projector. It's not being shown by film. This movie was actually <clears throat> uh, put out through the internet to the, to the preview uh, theaters. And projected that way. There was no hard copy film in any of the preview theaters. It was all a feed from Dis- from uh, Don Bluth Studios. Or Fox Animation Studios, I think, at that time. That's weird. Yeah. It was the first of its kind to do that. And uh, it, it actually did so poorly that it caused uh, Fox Animation Studios in, in uh, Arizona to close after just two films. Both Don Bluth films. The first was Anastasia, the second was Titan A. But from what you were saying, it sounded like a big part of the problem was that they didn't know who to advertise the movie to. It had a hard time finding a, an audience because it... Well, yeah, because I think it's a lot more acceptable now for adults to admit that they love animation. Yeah. Especially when we have people like Miyazaki doing unbelievable things yeah. with, with animation. I felt like Whereas Titan in the A. 80s, was, I don't. In the early 90s, I don't think it was quite as. Well, that was. Uh, Titan was, was 2000. But still, I mean, that's 15 years ago. Yeah. Which is insane. But, I don't know, I don't think it was it was quite as acceptable, or it was more on the fringe. People weren't quite as open about loving cartoons and it as that, they are now. It walked a weird line where it's like. It's kind of a kid's movie, but it. it it's not about kids at all. No, and it, I think, probably has some of the same uh, critique that Secret of Nim did in that there is no child for a child to relate to. Yeah, there's no, no way movie. for... There's, there's, like, a couple minutes at the beginning of the movie where Matt Damon's character is a child still. Well, just, like, Mrs. Brisby has children, but they're not the ones we're supposed to be following no, through the story at all. They're they're not in it very often. No. They're there to serve a purpose, the, the dying but they're not son, there to be... The dying son, I think, has two lines in the whole movie. If that, yeah. And then it, they just talk about him being in bed all the time. Yeah, because that's where, that's where he is. Because he has pneumonia. He can't get out of bed. Or he could die. And then we got... Uh... Another interesting one is, and sad, is that Judith Barcy died shortly after the making of... Was it 101 
101. You're talking about the girl that was uh, the voice of the little girl in All Dogs Go to Heaven? Yeah, Judith Barcy, who did Anne-Marie. Yeah. Her uh, father. Her father killed her and her mother. She was also Ducky in uh, Land Before Time, and she was killed by her father. Her and her mother were both killed by her father before either one of those films was released. Yeah, and the really sad song at the end of All Dogs Go to Heaven was written for her. Yeah. And so sad. Yeah. Probably the awful. saddest thing that ever happened in in Don Bluth's history. Well, and it doesn't like happen on screen. Well, it's old, right? It's awful. It, it's not even part of the movie. It's just a sad thing that happens to you along with one of his movies. Two of his movies. Well, and those kind of things follow, right? Like the little girl who died after she made Poltergeist. Yeah. Those things are so... They're tragic, but people are so interested. Yeah. So that's... That's that's sad. And I mean, that comes that comes across. The ending of 100... Why do we keep wanting to say 101 Dalmatians? I do not know. I don't know why I want to say that. Dog <laughs> movies. All dog movies, apparently. Um, no, the do ending that if we ever of... Do Milo and Otis? Yeah. <laughs> well, Milo and Otis is just sad because all those poor animals died. Oliver and Company? That. What about Oliver and Company? I have not seen that movie in forever. That's, that's one of my favorites, just because Cheech Moran as the... The Chihuahua. As the Chihuahua gets me every time. <laughs> that was a great movie, but I haven't seen it in a long, long time. That's Disney, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's Disney. You've got your laptop open there. You can look. You can look. No, it is Disney. It's is Disney. it? Yeah, it's Disney. All it really was was Don Bluth and Disney, so... I think that was their... I think they came out right around the same time as actually All Dogs Go to Heaven and Oliver and Company. Yeah, because I I always mix the two up. Even though they're very different movies, I would always get the two confused. Because I saw them at roughly the same time. Yeah, Oliver and Company came out in 88 and All Dogs Go to Heaven was 89. So, so yeah, pretty close. They were in production at the same time, essentially. Uh, simple Trivia, Will Wheaton, Shannon Doherty's first roles... Yeah. In Secret of Nim. Yeah, I was going to say at the beginning, but I totally forgot. What two things do Will Wheaton? What uh, does Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty have in con- common? Their both their first movie was both Secret of Nim, which I thought was interesting because I don't think I've ever seen them in a thing together since. Well, and they weren't even really together. I mean, they wouldn't have filmed no, together. No, no. Oh, the recording sessions would have been done separately for sure. Yeah, rarely do they do them together. I mean, they did Charlie and um, Itchy together for a lot of All Dogs Go to Heaven, but most of the uh, voice actors stay separate. In most productions, really. I think the only one that I can think of off the top of my head where they have all the actors sitting together reading with each other is, I believe, Bob's Burgers. Really? They all sit together? Uh, From what I recall, yeah. They all sit at a table... They all sit around the table. They've actually performed them live. But they'll sit there and they'll they'll read their scripts with each other. Which is probably why the dialogue works so well. Like in the show, not just the table read? No. At, when they're recording the show, everyone's sitting together. They record together. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just not many shows do that. Because a lot of, a lot of shows have... Someone like John DiMaggio, whose voice is so powerful, it would just drown everybody else out. Another 
interesting piece is that um, the land before time was supposed to be silent. Real? Oh yes, yeah, I remember reading that. But they, uh, someone felt like it wasn't going to work. Well, I mean, you've got to appeal to kids, right? So if you don't have any dialogue, then the kids are going to go like, "What is happening?" And it's not going to keep their interest the same way. So that's that's why they ultimately made the decision to get voice actors in and add some dialogue to the film. But it would have been interesting. It'd be an interesting cut if someone decided to make it. But I think we'd need back a lot of those deleted scenes with the Tyrannosaurus Rex. A lot the, of the scary stuff that they had to cut. The what was it? Nineteen deleted scenes from that movie. Yeah, nineteen different scenes. Yeah, That's nineteen so scenes short. were deleted because they were deemed too scary. They would be potentially psychologically damaging to children. Well, and I'd like to see them because that movie was scary as hell. Anyway. Yeah, and most of those scenes, from what I recall, were involved the T Rex. I was terrified when I was a kid. I mean, they kill his mom, and then a giant-ass T-Rex decides to chase them all over God's creation. All they want to do is get to the valley, but no. T-Rex has got to wreck it all up. Don Bluth seems to have a thing for dead parents and, and orphans. Or, like, sick people, like, Secret of Nim, or Kate is dying through the whole movie. Uh, Titan A.E., both his parents are dead. He's an orphan. He's raised by uh, Tomok, who's like a little alien guy. Raises him for the rest of his life until Corso shows up when he's like 18, I think. Yeah, well, and all dogs go to heaven. Orphan. Yeah, orphan, kidnapped by a cat. That's just kind of an animation thing, though. There is a lot of orphans in animation. Bambi. Well, and it's, it's uh, a good way to build sympathy for orphan. your main character. I mean, you, your main character has no parents. A lot of people can understand or can at least like, get into the mindset of what it would be like if their parents were dead. Well, it's, I it's don't even think it's that. Thing. I think it's just to clear them of any barriers to dealing with the problem. Like, if there was... Half of the stuff in these movies, in real life, your parents would just end it. Like, it wouldn't continue. Right? I mean, Littlefoot's mom just would have beat the hell out of that Tyrannosaurus, and that would have been the end of it. Or someone would have picked up Anne-Marie, she wouldn't have had to worry about Carface, and that would have been the end of it. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't right? have a movie. You, you don't have a movie. movie, so you need to create conflict. And by removing parents, you instantly create conflict in a child's life. So that's, I think, the driving force in creating all of these poor little orphan well, children. Sense. And again, adds to the whole complex plot yeah. that we were talking about. Yeah, poor kid has no parents. <laughs> What's going to happen next? <laughs> now what? <laughs> Okay, so that about wraps up our little piece on Don Bluth and his awesome animation. We don't have as much to say about this one, but we will get back to you soon with a really awesome Lost podcast on the next, what, seven episodes of Lost? Yeah, we'll be up to episode seven, The Moth. The Moth. I don't remember what that is. So that's yeah, a, we're that's definitely a Charlie episode. Up. Oh, Charlie. I wanted to get to that episode because that, that was what was interesting to Christy was his story. So I thought we would get his big turn there. 
Oh, I just got to get me some Saeed episodes. Yeah, anyway, I think there's though, one in there, but yeah. We will get to that. So thanks for listening in, and we will keep posting some new discussion themes for you guys on the Facebook page and the Tumblr. So if you have any questions, you want to add anything, have something interesting to say, or would possibly like to join us, just send us a message and we'll try to make that happen. Thanks for listening. This has been Welcome to Planet Bob. If you know any shows or movies you think we should discuss, we can be reached on Facebook. Just search for Welcome to Planet Bob and find our group. Or you can reach myself on the Twitter at Dylan Miles, that's D-Y-L-A-N-M-I-L-E-S, or Sarah at Sarah Skullbag, S-A-R-A-H-S-C-U-L-L-B-A-G. Thanks for listening to our show, and we hope you tune in next week.